Hello to all our dear listeners in New York. You're listening to Harrod and Olad. We're on air live. Today is May 14, 2014. And uh, today we have a special program for you. Um, I would like to speak about one of the most important points um, regarding to our raising children. And I think that actually most of the problems or the clashes between parents and uh, their children and between teachers and their students, I think the point actually is uh, at this point. And today I would like to speak about um, the com- communication between the adult's world to the childhood um, world. I mean, sometimes it seems to us that we're talking at the same language, we're thinking at the same way. Uh, the only difference that we actually notice is that uh, the children's is... Um, they're dealing with nonsense. They're interested in toys or games, and that's it. But not more than that. And today, I would like to expand this picture and to explain how much our worlds are different and um, how we can learn the system, um, actually, the interaction between us our children or our students. Well, this is the headline of our radio show. Let me to remind you, dear listeners, that um, this program actually uh, is especially for you, parents and teachers. So if you have some questions or comments, uh, let me to inviting you to send us your text messages from right now via 347-927-8398. I repeat, 347-927-8398. If you're listening uh, via the hotline, hotline number is 718-506-9099. Uh, you can also send us your emails via abrahameducation at gmail.com. Um, before we start, um, we have to speak about, to speak, to tell you a few words about um, the beginning of this topic. Um, the system of the adult's world in the child's perspective, actually, um, represent, um, we are the represents of devaluations. I mean, when a little child getting into the school, or he's kindergarten, or even if he's in a house and parents speak with him, the parents and the educators actually always present in front of the child um, 
the scale of valuation, the scale of values. It means it expresses when we tell them what is uh, forbidden to do or what they allow to do, what is proper deed and what is inappropriate thing. So we always speak with the children about asur and mutal. I mean something that you allow to do and some things that you not allow to do. And if we realize that this is the most this is the system for most of the time and we notice and we are aware at this point we can find the the, the most of uh, the dialogue between us and our children actually based on this base that we always demand them we always um, telling them uh, in orders and we always try to present in front of them um, scale of values and actually it's very naturally that the child doesn't internalize and he doesn't feel that he can identify uh, uh, with these things because he wants to do what actually he desires to do. He wants to do what that uh, his instincts tell him. He wants to do whatever he wants. And most of the time, usually, our values that we try to present in front of him standing in contrast between um, his wishes, with his wills, with his desires. And it actually makes always clashes between uh, our world to his world. There is no interaction between us. So when actually this uh, uh, process is progress, um, during the time, our child actually built a wall between us to him. I mean, he tell to himself in his subconscious, okay, the adults has their world. They have their language. They have their uh, scale of values. This is their world. And maybe he doesn't appreciate their world. But actually, he defined it as their world. It is nothing to do with me, with my world. Let's say that you have a student, you have a Talmud, and you are a teacher in a class. And in the middle of the lesson, your student, he sits in front of you, and he reaches his hand to his bag, and he takes some snakes or something like this and put it into his mouth. And he eating in the middle of the lesson in front of you, 
because he thinks that you didn't uh, notice that that he's eating right now. What is the first response of a normal teacher? What outside called normal teacher? He's getting angry. Sometimes he can yell at him. Don't you shame? How do you do something like this? Don't you have the value of a lesson, especially if we're talking about the Gemara lesson or a Torah lesson that is very important? And this teacher actually convinced that he dealing with Chinuch. He is mechanic. He is an educator. He tried to express how worth how worse it is when someone dare to eat in the middle of the lesson of Torah. You don't have Derech Eretz. Sometimes he may hand him to this principal, and we make big deal out of it. Now, let's speak secretly. Nobody can listen to us right now, okay? If I ask this teacher, do you believe that it is really so worse to eat in the middle of the lesson? Tell me. Be honest with me. Do you really think it affects the abilities to be listening to your lesson? Now, there are two options. First option, if this teacher is in his first years and he's uh, pretty innocent, he may say, yes, I believe it. I believe that if someone eating in the middle of the lesson, um, it's affected him and he will not listen well. Now, we have to make the diagnosis and we have to know that to eat in the middle of the lesson doesn't affect um, the abilities to be focused on the lesson. You know what is it disturbed your student? I'll tell you. The long way that he has to do to reach his hand to his bag and to be very sneaky, to take the candy Put it on his mouth. This is a very long way. That's actually a make a disorder in the middle of the lesson. But the fact, the very fact that he's eating doesn't affect his abilities to stay focused. Now, don't get me wrong. I don't mean to say, from right now, let's open a restaurant in the middle of the classroom. No. And I'm going to say it. But it doesn't so worse as some teachers try to present it. Um, two years ago, I think something about two years ago, I had a lecture in front of teachers. And then I asked this question. 
do you believe that if you're one of your students eating in the middle of the lesson, it really affects his focus? And they say, yes, of course. So the one who told me, of course, uh, was handle in his hand a can of Coke. And I asked him, don't you shame? You are so phony. Look at yourself. You right now, sitting in the middle of my lesson, and you're drinking, drinking Coke. And you handle the can without hiding it. How do you do it? <laughs> so he looked at me like I'm crazy, and he told me, are you serious? Don't you understand the differences? And I made myself very innocent, and I told him, no, I don't understand. Can you tell me? What are you talking about? We are already adults. It doesn't disturb us. I told him, that's the point. The same thing in your student, just because of his scares to make all this long way to his back to take the candy and how many thoughts he has before and how many plannings he has before he gets encouraged to do this step, that's actually disturbed him. That's actually put him out of focus. When you send him to the principal, or you yell at him, or you degrade him in front of the rest of the students, you actually um, make a wrong uh, scale of values. You actually show him like he's crazy. You actually look at him like something is wrong with him, with his behavior. And this is not truth. This is not truth, I tell you why. Because it's very nature that students sitting in, in a lesson, one hour and a half, or even a lesson of 45 minutes, you as a teacher just wish this lesson will be over. And your watch going so slowly, especially afternoon. So you also doesn't like this lesson. And I'm sorry for saying that, but there are a lot of teachers that are really boring. So he sits, and he just want to finish his candy that he started it in the end of the, the, the break, the last break. And then he really wants to eat it. So I don't say, I'm not saying it's proper. It's okay to eat in the middle of the lesson. I agree. Your students does not supposed to eat in the middle of the lesson. You're right. But don't present them 
like they're crazy, like something is wrong with him. When you sending him to the principal, or you're calling to his parents, you actually put him out of the rest of the class, and he start to start to see himself that something is wrong with him, something very special wrong with him, and this is not truth. That's what I told today's teacher in in my lecture. You believe that when you're drinking right now, it's not good. You're not respecting um, the situation of lecture, especially of mine. But I don't think about you that something is wrong with you, with your personality. No. Because I know this is very hot day. And it's hot outside. And you want to drink something cold. Okay. Now, I know that maybe you might be some confused <laughs> because of my words. But don't worry. I promise to stand behind my words and to prove it and to suggest the alternative how a teacher or a parent has to respond when they see someone doing something wrong, especially in front of the rest of the class or in front of the rest of his family, his brothers. Now, dear listeners, our phone number for text messages, 347-927-8398, or you can be with us on air, if you wish, 718 5858 local phone call. I repeat, if you want to be with us on air, just make a call, 718-683-5858. We ask from Iran uh, to play some vocal music um, uh, right now, and we shall be right back with you. Bevakasha. Say good. 
Hi, dear listeners. We are back with you. You are listening to Everett and Olad. And we go on with our topic. Well, let's say it's Friday and you are baking uh, challah for Shabbat and you need some sugar. And the sugar is, um, is finished. You don't have sugar. And you ask your little daughter, please, Go to the next grocery and bring me um, one pack of sugar. And she says, I'm tired. I have no power. I don't want to go. What is the normal uh, response of a usual, of a normal mother? She says, don't you shame? I really don't understand your laziness. 
You don't have a house to take care of. You don't have a children to take care of. What am I asked from you? Go to the next grocery and bring me one sugar. Don't you can do that? And we actually feeling frustration. Why she doesn't discipline? Why she doesn't have mercy for me? And there are some parents, there are some mothers, they say, don't you mercy on me? <laughs> we ask for mercy from our children. Well, if I didn't understand right now, I would like to enrich the example. You know, I'm walking a lot around the world, and I visited a lot of corners in the world. One time, I met with someone that he is an educator in eighth grade in New York, in public school. And he has uh, Goyim students also. And he came to me for a consultation. What is his problem? He has a discipline issues. Uh, his students um, doesn't, don't discipline, and there are a lot of problems. And what can I do to fix it? Because he has some pressure from his principal. And on the other hand, he wants to keep his job. What can he do? So I asked him, tell me. Um, now, at this day, what do you do when you're reaching in the classroom and you want to start your lesson, how you make the silent in the classroom? What you used to do right now? I just wanted to understand how his mind going, what are he thinks. So he told me, I'm standing in the middle of the class, and I yell at them, you will lose your marks. I will not giving up. You will fail your exams. You will fail your tests. I yell at them that there is a great need to learn. And all the rest of things are nonsense. And the most important thing, this is the studies. That's the way he tried to convince them to be unquiet, listen his lesson, and learn something. So I asked him, and do you really believe in it? He asked, believe of what? I told him, do you really believe the studies? This is the most important thing in the world. And all the rest are nonsense. He said, yes, definitely. So I asked him, could you understand that a goyish goy, a goyish guy, 
are really in a public school are really interesting your studies don't you understand that his most interesting of um, brands of shoes much more than studies do you believe do you understand in his perspective to make one more stage in a video game much more critical from put an effort to learn math do you understand it so he thinks and he told me yes I can understand it he is most interesting of uh, uh, brands, new shoes, or to make uh, one more stage in a video game, uh, it's more interesting uh, than learn uh, math. Yeah, I understand it. So why you try to convince him in something that you yourself doesn't believe? So he thinks, his teacher, and then he answered, so what do you expect that I will tell them? Did you hear an answer of an educator in, <laughs> not in Israel, but an educator? That more or less what we actually doing in our home, in our classroom, in our real life. We always talking things that we ourselves doesn't believe it you don't you dear mother don't you believe that it's very hard to go outside in a summer it's very hot outside there to the grocery despite you don't have an all of a family you don't have to raise your own children even if you're single it is not difficult. Well, it's difficult. First of all, the first step in education is to be honest with your children. Be honest with them. Now, I would like to reach to my answer to that educator, and I think that through this answer, I can explain and I can illuminate all this fogginess. I told this educator, tomorrow, when you're standing in front of your students, say very clear and loud, dear students, I really understand that you hate the studies. I really understand, honestly. And I would like to tell you a secret. You know what? I hate them either. And when this teacher opened a big eyes at me, I hadn't said, but I don't want you to curse me 
in the future, 10 years away. When I see one of you 10 years away coming in front of me, crossing the sidewalk, you, dear student, will see me and spit in front of me and you'll tell me, I curse you. Because you gave up. I failed in all my entire life. Why didn't you force me to learn, to make the exams? Why didn't you punish me? Why didn't you be consistent, consistently with me? Why didn't you insist to teach me these very important studies? So I hate the studies, and you hate the studies. So first of all, we have something in common. But I don't want you to course me five or ten years away. I want you to bless me in your heart in the future. When you see me in a walk site, you bless me. Thank you for forcing me to learn, to make the test, and get the highest marks that I can do. Now, what is the secret of this response? The secret is, as I told in the beginning, the children actually feel that they and the adults living in different worlds. They don't think we're phony. They are not intelligent enough to think that. They just internalize to their subconscious what do you want from him? He is an adult. He's so old. He has his own world. What he is understand in my world, in my desires, in the teenager's world, or even less than that. What he understand? And be honest. We also like it. When you come for a visit in your mother-in-law, in her house, and, see, and she suggests to you um, to tie a belt around your uh, baby because it's helping him for uh, problems of his, in his stomach or something like this, what do you say in your heart? I hope it's still it's staying in your heart and not going through your mouth. What, what these old women understand on raising children? I can see my husband, how she raised him. Oh, no. I don't want to duplicate it. So we are also working the same way. But we don't notice our children actually getting used to this way also. So first of all, show him that you have something in common.
when your daughter say, I'm tired, I don't want to go to the grocery to buy one sugar, tell her, you know what, I understand you. I know it's difficult for you. It's difficult for me either. I know. But we have a rule. We have the rules in this home. It's not health care. You're getting food. You're getting bed to sleep. You have all conditions of life in this house. You have to pay for it. You cannot do whatever you want. I understand. I don't argue with you about the difficulties of it. But also, I ask you and I demand you, go now without power, without any desire, but you have to do this technical action. Go and buy sugar. But don't try to present your child that he has some problem. You're not like all the others. Let's go back to the first example. You are a teacher, and you have students, and one of your students eating a candy or something else in the middle of the lesson. I'm not saying don't respond, because if you don't respond, tomorrow you can open a restaurant in your classroom. Everybody's going to eat, especially if his friends noticed that he's eating in the middle of the lesson. These effects may getting wider and wider. You know what is the proper... Um, the property um, response, you have to tell him, oh, it's so pleasure to eat in the middle of the lesson. Believe me, sometimes I am, as a teacher, very hungry, and I want to eat something. Believe me, it's difficult to me either. I know exactly what you're going through. This is very long lesson and maybe very very boring material. I know. I was student either. But I don't want you to curse me in the future. I don't want you to hate me in the future in the future. I don't want to be the one that when you walk the street and you see me, you point, it, you point out in front of me and say, here is the man who destroyed my life. That's the reason I punished you, or that's the reason I called to your parents. I'm not meaning this is the response that you have to do, to call to his parents or send him to the principal. Just for the example, I don't know what is your response and how worse you see that. But first of all, show him that you are, that you have uh, a human nature experience. 
that you are not like a machine. You're not teacher machine. You have personality. You understand him. You identified with his feelings. I'm also sometimes feel that I'm angry, hungry, in the middle of the lesson. I know how attractive the candy is in the bag, and how and how is the feeling of dryness in your mouth? I know. But this is not a good reason to let you do that. Now, your student internalized into his inside world, this man is really understanding me. He knows what I'm going through. So first of all, he is a match. I can speak with him. I have an address to speak with. We are on the same board. We are on the same world. Now we can start to build an educational system. First of all, show him, I understand you. I was a little one either. I know what you're going through. But... I don't want you to hate me in the future. That's the reason I educate you. That's the reason I make the limits. That's even the reason for punishment. But first of all, we are at the same side. We are living in the same world. It's very important. Dear listeners, you can keep and send us your text um, via 347-927-8398. I repeat, text messages, especially if you're teachers, and you want to share with us your experience, please send us text messages, 347-927-8398. And if you want to express yourself on air, uh, you can call us right now, 718-683-5858. Now we're going to a small vocal break, and we will be right back with you and with your texts. Bevakasha.
עם הרב אברהם ברזילי very uh, wondering. It's going like this. 
מזמור לאסף. אלוקים, באו גויים בנחלתך, תמו את היכליך, טבעו בארץ שערה. The translation of this uh, chapter in Psalms, David Amelech wrote it, it means, Mizmona Asaf, it's kind of a song that Asaf, the name of a person, Asaf had a song. And in a normal way, when you're talking about song, you're talking about something happy. In these days, that we are um, in a sorrow about 24,000 Talmidim of Rabbi Akiva, we don't listen to songs, but instruments at least, because song is something happy. It makes you happy. Mizmona Asaf, Asaf had a song. And then what is the continuous? Hashem ba'u goyim b'nechalatecha. Hashem, look at the goyim, they came into Jerusalem, and they destroyed Jerusalem. And then, tav'u ba'aretz she'areha. The gates of Jerusalem, of the Beit HaMikdash, of the, the Holy Temple, The gates of it was droned in the ground, underground. And Chazal asked, Is this a song? You're talking about something terrible. You're talking about I can define it like the first Holocaust. You're talking about Goyim came into Jerusalem, destroyed the city. The gates of Beis Amikdash, the gates of the Holy Temple, was drowned in the ground. And you're talking about songs? That's the question of the Chazal. How can you call this chapter, how, you can, how can you define it as a song? It's very, very sad. It has to be cry of Asaf, and then tell what you have to tell. This is the question. And Hazal say the answer. Chazal gives us uh, an example to explain the answer. They tell us about uh, a slave of one of the farmers in one of the cities in one of the countries. She went uh, to the river To take some water for her honor for her Lord and then when she tried 
um, when she tried to pump some water for her lord, the jar of her was fold into the river into the well she started to cry she knows what actually waiting for her when she will be back home this farmer will abuse her what have you done? My jar into the, the well. He will smack her, and she knows it. So she sat in the ledge of the well and started crying. Suddenly, the slave of the king also went to the well to pump some water for the king. And she had a golden jar, very expensive. And she also tried to pump from the well, and her jar also drowned into the well. So the poor slave started dancing and started singing she was very happy. People around told her, why are you so happy? So the slave of the king also lost her jar. Is this fix your problem? Do you have any solution for your own problem? Why are you dancing? And then the poor slave answered, you know why I'm dancing and I'm singing? Because till this point, all people around don't care about me because I so degraded. Nobody cares of me. But now the golden jar of the king droned into the well. Now there is a chance that um, the king will send divers to lift the golden jar back. When the divers will dive in, I ask them, please, when you lift the golden jar, please lift also my plain jar. So I'm happy. So I'm singing. Asaf was one of the grandsons of Korach. Do you know the story of Korach Vadato? Korach has a machloket with Moshe Rabbeinu. And then the ground opened its mouth and swallowed them. And the Gemara tells us that Actually, until today, they're standing underground and they're screaming, 
משה אמת ותורתו אמת ואנו בדאים. משה is the honest person and his Torah is the truth and we are the lawyers. That's what they say and they're screaming it until today. But Asaf was one of the sons of the sons of Korach. When Asaf saw that the Goyim came into Jerusalem and destroyed her, destroyed the city, and the gates of Besa Migdash, the gates of the Holy Temple, was thrown into the ground, he started singing. He said, until this point, nobody cares about my father's Koach and Adato. Nobody cares of them. But now when the golden jar, the golden gates of Jerusalem drown in the ground, Hashem will send divers to lift it up. When he lifts the gates up, he also will lift my fires up. So he said a song. That's the reason why precisely Asaf defined it as a song. The same thing when we're raising our children. And here is the secret. People looking for secrets. Here is one of them. If you really want your child be influenced by you, if you really want to make the right impact on your child, first of all, you have to dive inside his little world. Be interesting in his games. Be involved in some things that your son, your child, interesting in. If he likes uh, to collect cards, be interesting, be involved. Ask him, what's considered as an expensive card and what is called um, a plain card? Tell me. How many cards you can earn in one day in your school? How many you lost already? Be interesting by real, not like a presentation. This is not the drama course. Be honest with him. I already told you the first step in education to be honest with your children. There is no any other way. Now, be involved. Which kind of blanket he likes? Maybe he wore some sort of blanket before it gives him the script. Ask him. Be involved in his internal world. Be part of your child. Be interesting in, this, in the things that 
interesting your child, then you make a connection between those two worlds. Then you launch the worlds of yours and your children's. You have something in common. Ask him how was the day in your school? How was your day in 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 the playground, in the kindergarten? How was your day? Be involved. Show him that you really care about his life. Don't be always busy with your own self. Don't be so selfish. This is your child. Have a little mercy on him. Don't say, it's not matched to my prestige. I'm a Talmud Chacham. I'm going with Frack and the Hamburg. I cannot be involved in these nonsenses of children's. Don't be so VIP. Be VIP outside, not in your house. Be sensitive. Speak with your children. Be involved. In Friday night, after the meal, Walk on your forearms and make yourself like a horse and let your child ride on your back. Yes, believe me, that's what I'm talking about. Be part of them. Try to be part of them. When you drowned yourself into the bottom of the life, the little nonsense that your child actually interesting in now when you lift yourself up there is a great chance your child will raise themselves with you just like the golden gates of Jerusalem just like the golden jar and the plain jar in the well If you are a father or a mother that you feel that you cannot be involved in the plain stuff of your child, in his little stupid experiences, you have no choice to educate him. You have no choice to raise them up because you are living in total difference as worlds. You cannot do anything with them. But if you know how to drone yourself and be involved in the small things that they're interested in, then when you raise up, when you talk with them about values, about good deeds, you try to make the influence 
you can raise them with you, then you really grow together. And this is the key answer for most of the critical issues. Believe me. It might prevent 90% from educational issues. Believe me, it's just like that. 347-927-8398. This is the phone number for your text. 718-683-5858. This is the phone number to be with us on air. We're going to one more musical break. And we'll be right back uh, with your questions to the rest of this radio show. Bevakasha.
but act like a baby. If I try to discipline him, he say that I ruin his day because I say no. He doesn't stop till he gets his way lately. I am losing my patient and I'm usually very calm. Please help. Thank you. Well, uh, dear listener, I would like to tell you that you have uh, 11 years old in your home. And you write here that he is a student, but he acts like a baby. The very fact that 11 years old uh, behave like a baby, this is very normal. I mean, you can fool your child with material. You can try to develop his cognitive abilities. But you definitely cannot influence uh, his personality to be more older. This is a process that actually takes time. And it's getting different from a person to person. There is no scale that you can test your child if he is getting older uh, normal. There are some children until 11, 12, maybe 13, <clears throat> they behave like babies. But, but suddenly, after that, they complete the, uh, the process to getting adult very fast. And there are people, they much older, even when they eight years old. It doesn't matter. So something in your hands is the cognitive, maybe, the cognitive abilities, uh, you can, you know, develop them. But to make him more older, you cannot. And in this answer, I would like to attend also for teachers and educators. I think that every teacher can tell you that he has a class or he have a class that maybe he said as a teacher something that is not make anyone laughing, but one of the students start to laugh just like you heard the great joke. You can find the differences uh, between your students of the level of they getting old. So the very fact that he acts like a baby, this is very normal. Don't try to push him to be older because, first of all, it will not happen. Even if it happens, it's just a present. It's just like show. This is not a real thing. And in the future, it might can uh, um, make him damage for the process of getting older. Now, you write also that if you try to discipline him, you say that you ruin his day. So what? He said, so what? You have to discipline him. You have to learn the way, what we call discipline. Discipline, this is authority. 
This is not acquisition. To force your child to do something, it's not discipline. Discipline is very long process. To learn about the issue of discipline, I recommending you to reach to the website of jbridradio.com. We have a lot of radio shows dealing with uh, discipline. If you see the headline uh, of the the name of the radio show, writing in English, it means uh, that the lecture is in English, and if you see it in Hebrew, it's mixed. Well, I would like to approach to one of your text messages. Um, my daughter is eight. Uh, she doesn't listen to me. Any instructions I give her. What kind of consequences can I give her without being too hard on her? Well, I'm very glad uh, to see that you write, uh, that you wrote uh, consequences and you didn't match uh, punishment. If you are one of our constant um, listener, maybe you did it uh, on purpose that you write consequences because this is our way, the way of consequences and not punishment. I always have the famous example about your little daughter when she eating the supper and she rocking on a chair and you tell her be careful, be careful you're gonna fall, you're gonna fall, suddenly she fail. She fall down. And then you say, You see I told you. We always explain when you tell her, you see I told you, you actually disturbed her to learn from her own experience. I mean, let's say that your child rocking on a chair, and you warn him once, you warn him twice, and then he falls down. Now this is the time uh, to hug him, to kiss him. Oh, I saw mercy on you. That's it. Not give him a rebuke, Musal. And it's not a time. Then your child, your daughter, actually learn to draw a line between her deed to the result, the consequence. Then she learn, I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. And I emphasize the word, I. And this is my decision, not because of my parents. This is the best education you can give her. So I'm really uh, glad to see that you wrote here what kind of consequences. Well, it depends in your family, in your background. I mean, you have to do that until um, the edge, the gap of her feeling. I will try to explain it. Let's say that you give her some consequence. Then she feels bad, but she knows it's because of my deeds. Let's say um, her couple of brothers, uh, eight years old, around eight years old, and one of them hits the other. Then the consequence may be, now go to your room for two minutes, 
You can sit with him in the room. It's not punishment. It's just you don't know how to behave in company. You don't know how to live with your brothers. So I have to put you out of the society, out of the family, not the family, out of your company for two say for two uh, um, minutes, and then he's getting used to the fact each time he hits his brother, he has to be in his room. You apart him from his society. Then he understands and he internalizes that it's not worth to me to do that because I'm losing. There is consequence. The limit of the consequence is that I have to be convinced that in my child's heart, he thinks that he's suffering from his own deeds, not from his parents. Because if he feels inside his heart, oh, my parents, why they did to me? Then he doesn't internalize, he doesn't draw the line between his deed to the consequences. So the consequences has to be under control. You have to be convinced that your child, your daughter, actually drew the line and she doesn't give reinterpretation to your consequences as a punishment or she starts thinking, oh, what a terrible mother I have. I hope it's enough. One more question that we received via email. Let me to remind you the ways to contact us. Abraham Education at gmail.com. When you send us an email, you automatically uh, get uh, uh, confirmed that your email actually received. So realize that. And uh, you can uh, contact us via text messages. Our phone number for text is 347-927-8398. 347-927-8398. Now we go on with your question. Oh, it's disappeared of my screen. Okay. Shalom. It is okay if I tell my child that he needs to do homework or get ready for a test and if he doesn't get a good grade, I tell him it's okay, and I am happy of you that you tried your best. Because I don't want him to hate the Torah, uh, gosh forbid, and school. Is that okay to say that to him? This is actually the question. Well, dear listeners, I am happy to tell you I'm proud of you. That's exactly the way to respond when you see your child make an effort, try harder, and despite all his efforts, he failed. You have to tell, tell him you are the most important student of your class. So you didn't get a good grade. So what? 
the most important thing in front of Hashem in the world of serve Hashem is how many efforts you put in your studies, in your behavior, in your tikkun amidot. That's the real test of personality. And this is the real thing. There is a huge mistake that some teachers and educator <laughs> I don't know how to call them educators. They put all the focus about the results, about the marks, about the permissions, the teudot, about the prizes, about something that you can evaluate outside. How many pages you know, how many mishnayets by heart you, you can say. That's the most interesting thing in their life. It's not the way. This is not what Hashem asked from us. If that was the point, Hashem could created us, created us just like the angels. They don't need to put any effort. They do exactly what Hashem expects from them. Why Hashem created a person so complicated? Why? Because Hashem said, I want to see your effort. It's pleasant to me when I see you try and try and fail and raise up and fail again. Hashem so likes your efforts. So when He brings back the test paper, and His mark is 40%, take your pen, and write on a side, plus 60% for the efforts equals 100%. We're going to a small musical break, and after that, your text and your emails, abrahameducation at gmail.com. By the way, you can send us your questions or comments or letters uh, if there is something that you want to share with us or with our listeners, you can send the emails all over the week, and I shall try to read it um, in the next radio show. We're going to a small musical break, and we'll be right back with you. Stay with us. We asked from Ron to play some music for us. Oh, <laughs> 
שוב לתוכנית הרואה את הנולד עם הרב אברהם ברזילי. Hi there listeners, we're here back with you, you're listening to our Eyes on Olad. And now, to the rest of your questions, um, an email that I received, how do you teach children to be compassionate? Um, well, we have the golden rule of Sefer HaChinuch. Sefer HaChinuch says in Hebrew, אחרי הפעולות נמשכים גם הלבבות. It means... When you start acting um, a way that is not part of your internal world, but you're actually acting it, during the time it will become to be part of your personality. 
I mean, if you know someone that he's very cruel, and you force him, I don't know if you can force him, but if he will make a choice, even if you do it for money, but he make a choice to work in a chesed company, you know, to give uh, food for people which seek, or to give food to poor persons, during the time his rule lost its energy, and he will be mercy, full with mercy. Uh, the same way here, I think that you have to train, training them. If you see uh, one of the children in the, in the neighborhood, that he is always walk outside, he always alone. Give a dollar to your child. Tell him, go buy a candy and give to this little poor child. Get your child used to dealing with chesed. Then you can see a very uh, great change in his life. But during the time, and, and make sure that he start to enjoy his deeds. Don't force him to enjoy, because Rabbi Barzillai said, just tell him, what do you think was his feeling of this poor child? before you gave him the candy and after. What do you think? How is the way he came back to his house? Maybe his parents obvious him. Maybe his parents has no money to give him something. Maybe this is the first time he tastes a candy. I don't know if there is such a thing in America, but maybe. I think that's the way to make him more with mercy more with Rahamim. And uh, during the time, I believe you see uh, very great uh, cha uh, changes. One more question. Um, hi. Can you please talk about older children, teens, how to deal with them? Yes, I can say a few words about it. I have to know that one of the things um, that usually happens in this age of teenagers, it's a process they, they're getting older. I mean, the passing from being child to be an adult, adult or teens, it's not so sharp. It doesn't say that until... Uh, some point you are a child and then you're getting sleep and tomorrow morning you wake up as, a, as an adult. It's not going like this. This is a process. The process takes place for two or maybe three years until it's complete. And because of it, there, is, there are some days that your child behaved just like a completely adult. And in the other days, he might behave just like a baby. And you don't understand why. And sometimes, we're arguing with them. You're older. That's what you're dealing with. You're fighting with your little brothers. 
one of the most issues in teenagers they fighting with their with their uh, small uh, brothers and parents wondering why you're an adult you're teens you fight with your little brother yes because being an adult is not you know sharp passing it takes place of two or three years this is a process a long process just like any other things in our life it doesn't happen suddenly when we remember this point and we think about this point we will be much more understanding their behavior and we will be prepared to accept them and we know all the changes in their mood are actually expected I think that this is the key understanding to know how to dealing with the teens um, I don't know if we have more time for one more question I shall try Um, where to draw the line on answering your child's questions? Well, I don't know if I um, understand uh, your questions. Your question. If you're talking about uh, things that uh, it doesn't match for their age, they're asking questions about the world about how the world uh, actually uh, exists or something like this maybe they are not um, intelligent enough or older enough to get a full answer but in the other hand if you choose to ignore them their desire and their curious to know the answer getting very hard and it's getting harder and harder. So, ignore is not the way, definitely. But you can answer him as much as you can um, something that's matching to his cognitive abilities, to his skills. Let's say that your child asks, um, uh, why there is a criminal in a prison and you don't want to tell him that adult person can murder his uh, friends or his neighbor it's scaring him so you can tell him you know if someone doing something very wrong he tried to cross the road when cars is a crossing and he puts all his uh, society in risk. People like this, it's very dangerous to let them go free outside. That's the reason they're in a prison. Something like this. I don't know. This is just, you know, uh, uh, an example of hand. But the, the, the principle is you have to answer him, give him an answer, but only something that he can accept in his mind and it's getting 
difference from child to child. I hope my answer is uh, understood. We have five minutes remaining for this uh, radio show, so we'll not uh, have a sufficient time to read one more question. But you can send me letters, comments, questions all over the week, abrahameducation at gmail.com. Um, listeners, that if you would like to speak with me privately, uh, you can call me. I will give you the phone, my phone number. Uh, you can call me to Israel, uh, 972. This is the area code of Israel. And then three. This is the area code of the city. And then five seven eight eight three three four. I repeat nine seven two three five seven eight eight three three four. Or you can try to reach me on my cell phone nine seven two five four eight four zero nine six six nine. I can get your phone calls every night between 10 p.m. Uh, to 12 midnight Israel time. And also, if you want to invite me to lecture in your community or uh, to make Shabbaton, we have a special program for you uh, all over America in any countries. Uh, you can reach me at the same number, 972 Five seven eight eight three three four or nine seven two five four eight four zero nine six six nine. My email box also available abrahameducation at gmail dot com. I'm apologize from uh, listeners that sent us uh, text messages, and we have no sufficient time. I'm always recommending you to start send your questions in the beginning of. Uh, the radio show so we can arrange all your questions on time and to get answer as much uh, as we can uh, to your questions. Dear listeners, I really appreciate your listening and I wish you best um, uh, best uh, week and best uh, listening and keep listening to JRIC Radio. A special thank for Iran Jacob for a range of questions sending me and for broadcasting my voice uh, into your radios in your home. Thank you very much and keep listening to J Red Radio. Bye bye. <laughs>